Hello and welcome to the MTM Vegas podcast. I'm Sean Coomer, your host, joined as always by Mark Osterman. We have a great show for you this week. As a reminder, you can watch this show along with all the visuals that go with it at youtube.com forward slash miles to memories. On this week's show, we are going to discuss a survey that came out. Is Caesars considering selling status? Plus, Vegas Loop welcomed its one millionth passenger. The LVCBA has finally agreed to sell that land where the Riviera once stood out on the strip. Guy Fieri is bringing yet another restaurant to Las Vegas. The Formula One race is moving along and they announced the schedule for repaving the entire track. We'll get into that. Plus, the 2022 visitor profile came out from the LVCBA. We learn all about who's visiting Las Vegas, how much they're spending, and more importantly, are they leaving satisfied? You might be surprised. All of that and more is coming up on this show. As a reminder, you can find all of our Vegas content, that's posts, podcasts, and videos at mtmvegas.com. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, consider leaving us a five-star review. It helps us out a lot. We really appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Let's hit it. So, Mark, I was this many years old when I learned that the gondolas at the Venetian are powered by electric motors. The gondoliers aren't actually propelling those along, although they're steering them. Did you know this? I, it's actually a question that never crossed my mind. I, I never really cared, but it makes sense. You know, our friend Ryan isn't very buff. So, I mean, <laughs> he pushes it. So now we know why. It's funny. Uh, somebody asked him on Twitter whether it was him in the this picture that somebody had posted about it, the promotional picture. And he said they used to use him, but now he's too old. But uh, it's funny how, like, we'll talk about something later in the show that I didn't know either, how all these little things are in Vegas, cool things to learn, just like you it had never crossed my mind. But it makes perfect sense that they would have a little help given the shallow two-foot water that they have to navigate. Yeah, and it's cool that the, and the boats are lighter, so they don't need a ton. It's just, like we said, in Vegas, if you just walk around each property and, and really deep dive it, you'll find stuff you've never seen before, even if you've been there 40 times, which is kind of ins- insane to think about and something none of us really do like we should, you know, when you go stay somewhere, you should really walk around and look at every single thing you can if you're if you're nerdy into Vegas like that. As I teased on the last show, we got some new F1 renderings and, you know, F1 is going to be trickling this stuff out throughout the year and we'll cover it as it's interesting. I like seeing these renderings, seeing the course, the track. It kind of gives you an idea how the city's going to transform. And I've been in a couple of cities that have had Grand Prix and watched how the streets transform. So it's kind of interesting. So it looks pretty. You got the sphere lit up. They're doing a good job of selling this. This is the long sale all the way through November when they hope that uh, gazillions of people will come and watch. Yeah, the sphere looks really cool in the renderings now. Will it look like that in person? We don't know. I mean, we're going to show you a clip of it glitching out or whatever. It doesn't look as cool. <laughs> but I'm sure it'll get, you know, near there. Uh, so that's the thing with renderings. Like, everything always looks perfect. It, it does. It, it really blew my mind, like, looking at these and seeing how much effort they're putting into building these grandstands, building out the road, and, like, how much is going to be different. Just getting around the city just for a weekend is insane. And it just shows you how much money they make off of these things if they're willing to put all this time and effort into it for such a short period of time. Someone on Twitter, I think maybe Vital Vegas, said, This is going to cause a war between locals and tourists, right? Locals are going to hate this. And just watching this sort of transform is going to be so ugly for anybody who has to be around there for the few weeks around. First off, they're going to have to repave all these streets, and then they're going to have to start building the barriers weeks out. And, yeah, it's going to be ugly. 
But the paddock is also kind of progressing. We got some updates this last week or so of what the building is going. It's going up pretty quick and it's transforming that whole area. And that's going to be a permanent structure. We know that Clark County has voted to uh, kind of have this race for 10 years at least, or at least to open up the possibility of that. They're committed for three years, but Formula One is going to be here for a long time. But this is the first race, right? This is the inaugural one. It's going to be the really special one, and they're going all out on that. And as you said about the sphere, yeah, we got some video of it fully testing now, or we think it's testing, maybe it's glitching. Yeah, we, we I, think it's, I think it's busted. They need to <laughs> hit the unplug it and plug it back in or something. I don't know. I can't wait, though. I mean, we've seen some basic testing, the dome and stuff like that. I really can't wait till the first time we see this thing fully lit up with a display that's like the final product, right? I mean, we'll see probably more stages of them testing all the different sections of the screen, but, uh, you know, it's getting there. And, you know, there's more news about whether MSG is going to make money on this and performers still haven't signed on. And uh, there's a lot of criticism, too, because 90% of the ticket revenue is going to U2 for their residency. So uh, where's MSG going to make any money, I guess, on beer sales and stuff like that? But I see that residency as a loss leader for them. Give them 90%. If they can put on an incredible show, I think all the other artists are going to follow suit. Yeah, I don't know. Like the ninety percent U two is just you're setting that bar where you know somebody else is going to come in and be like, well, you're only going to give me thirty percent or fifty percent or whatever the normal gate is that they get, and, and you're giving them ninety percent. It just seems like they're setting themselves up to lose there a bit. But going back to your point about locals hating F one. You know, they pretty much stay away from the strip, I imagine. And that's kind of similar anywhere. Like around here, Dream Cruise comes every summer. We're like a mile or two away from Woodward. And it's, I just get out of town because I can't stand it. People everywhere watching old cars drive by. And we were in Salem this past weekend. And I can't even imagine living there in October on the weekends. They probably hate it unless you just really love Halloween. But just the simplicity of getting home is probably a pain. So that's kind of wherever you live, whatever the big thing is there, the locals hate it, which is always funny. And speaking of races, the Mint 4 was this last weekend. I uh, had tickets, but I wasn't in town, so I missed it. I was considering coming back early, and I just got back late last night, but I think the event went off without a hitch. If people don't know, that's basically off-road dirt race. The Mint 400 was uh, a race way back in the day named after the Mint Hotel downtown, which is now part of Binion's or that tower that's part of Binion's. But they brought the race back uh, a few years back, and I got to get to one of those. Have you ever wanted to do like a desert off-road race? I think being a spectator there would be pretty cool. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to watch. You know, those are always kind of crazy, and and they're zipping around on their bikes and everything. So uh, that'd probably be something I'd go to more than uh, F1. I feel like F1's going to be kind of crazy to get into and out of, where these things are kind of set up out somewhere uh, where you got a little more space, get around easier, uh, check it out, and, you know, there's always crashes. Yeah, I just think it would be interesting out there although the logistics sounded terrible with the parking passes and getting out into the desert and all that but glad it went off well now what didn't go off well was a stunt that david blaine tried to do at his resorts world uh residency i think he's 12 shows in now and it's been fairly it's been fairly successful although he tried to do this stunt where he jumps 80 feet into a pile of boxes i guess he missed and then he dislocated his shoulder and then they had doctors from the audience come on stage to relocate his shoulder right on stage in front of the entire audience. And then I think he finished the show, right? So yeah, that's pretty, uh, there's a, that's pretty cool. There's a lot to, there's a lot to unpack here, you know, boxes unpacking funny. I know. Um, <laughs> but first off, I didn't know magicians didn't just show their own videos, you know, 
a la Chris Angel, where you just watch a video <laughs> of them on stage. Uh, so that's kind of cool. And then secondly, like y- you see the box area that he lands is pretty big. There's like a, a bullseye that he's aiming for. Maybe they have like doubled up boxes or something in that little section, but he didn't miss by much. You wouldn't think it would be catastrophic. You think they would build it out that there's a pretty big area that he could miss and still come out okay. So that was kind of surprising, but I think he stabbed his hand in one uh, one thing where he was smashing cups and they the audience picked one that had an uh, ice pick in it or something. So He's definitely gotten hurt. You know, this is un- unknown to Vegas where magicians are doing kind of crazy things since Siegfried and Rory. So go see it, I guess. You know, it's not a video of Chris Angel talking about Chris Angel. <laughs> I guess this is good advertising for David Blaine, right? The, the more he hurts himself, the more people are going to want to go do it. As you said, in uh, according to the Review Journal, in his December 17th performance, he slammed his hand over three cups selected by audience members and uh, one of the cups has an ice pick and i guess he's supposed to avoid that but he didn't and the ice pick went through his hand he also had another night where he struggled to get out of this tank uh where he you know is underwater i guess and he was really struggling with that and david blaine you know he's known for all this stuff but he's not as young as he used to be so i wonder you know if the all these years of doing these types of things have taken a toll but I think this is evidence he's putting it all out there. So, you know, good for him for putting on a good show. Yeah, and it's a different kind of magic than you're used to when you go to these shows. Like, a lot of animal stuff, a lot of sleight of hand, you know, type of tricks with Matt Franco and things like that. And this is more danger, you know, back to Houdini, old school. Matt, if you even want to call it magic, it's just kind of like doing stunts and risking your life for applause, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and another question, how does he not have doctors on hand, like a medical team standing by with all these tricks, that you need people coming in from the audience to help you out like that? That is probably the weirdest thing I find out of all this. So much strangeness with David Blaine. All right, so I am embarrassed to admit this. After not knowing who Martin Yan is, and then not knowing about the Venetian boats, here's my trifecta. I did not know you could get to Jockey Club from inside the Cosmo Casino. But there was this tip on TikTok, and I saw Mark Meltzer share this on Twitter, so just to give him credit for sharing it, that you can get really cheap, like, groceries and things like that at the Jockey Club. And, you know, I knew Jockey Club was there, but I did not know that the entrance was in Cosmo. So you go through the Cosmo Casino, this video shows you exactly how to do it. Yeah, another one of those little things that uh, missed my radar. Yeah, just what we talked about early in the show is, you know, kind of explore and find everything. There's all these little elevators hidden that you don't know what they're for and and all that stuff. Like, I would have never paid attention to this. It's not easy to find. They don't do a good job of, of showing you where to go. So even the person on the video is like, find this bar and then walk directly across the casino to find these elevators. And there's a tiny little sign that says uh, to the Jockey Club. But that's a great tip and... As Mark said, one of the few things that uh, were good on TikTok that actually taught you something. (laughs) Yeah, it is a great tip, and it makes perfect sense, right? Cosmo is literally built around Jockey Club and envelops it on all sides. And there is a driveway to get back there for cars arriving and stuff. But for pedestrians, that's not really good, that little side alleyway. And so it makes perfect sense that they built an access to it. I just never knew. And yeah, how many more things do we have to discover about Las Vegas, Mark? So much. That's the fun of doing this show. Now, uh, Caesars, another week, another celebrity chef, this time one that we've heard of, Guy Fieri. And he is opening his chicken guy restaurant with an exclamation point at Caesars Food Court at Caesars Palace. I think Bobby's Burgers are there. Guy is there. Yeah, this is to be expected. I do love Guy's Burgers. What about Shaq? Where's Shaq at? We need Shaq's chicken. 
Yeah, well, we got a couple of Shaq's big chickens around town, just not in Caesars. They haven't teamed up with him yet. I mean, I'm just getting kind of tired of rehashing the same four celebrity chefs and doing like bringing either new celebrity chefs or maybe bring in a local thing that, you know, you want to promote uh, a taco place, something. I don't know. It just seems like they're so corporate and so set in their ways that they're just like, okay, guy, can you come up with a new concept for us? Because we can't bring anything unique. And I know Vegas is kind of like a transplant area where there's not a ton of homegrown restaurants and this is a way they can show off chefs from around the country and stuff. But you know, limited to two, you get two restaurants and then we move on, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And you're kind of make a good point as we see other places bringing in these food halls with these unique concepts, or they're bringing in restaurants from other cities and other areas. We've seen resorts world do that uh, with their very specific food hall. We've seen Aria bring in some concepts from Southern California. So that's sort of been the direction. And Caesars is just like copy paste, you know, uh, Gordon Ramsay, copy paste, Guy Fieri. You know, they did bring in Martha Stewart. I think she was new, right? And then Martin Yan, <laughs> he's new. So they did bring in some new people. Yeah. So uh, I guess they are expanding, but it's definitely like a copy and paste thing. And he, this is sort of his type of food. So it could be good. But, you know, it's going to be like, what, a $20, $25 chicken sandwich probably. Yeah, or $25 for three chicken strips. It's just, it's going to be expensive. It's in a food court slash food hall. So, those are all pricey now. That used to be the cheap way to get, you know, you're drinking and you want something quick and cheap. You go to the food court. Now it's basically sit down restaurant prices. Um, so hopefully it's good. All right. And the big story of this week is that land that the Riviera once sat on right on Las Vegas Boulevard. And that's in front of the new convention center expansion next to Pepper Mill. And uh, if you remember last year or actually a couple of years ago, a Chilean investor went into contract on that property for $120 million. He eventually backed out and lost his $7 million. So the LVCBA took a $7 million breakup fee. And now they're in contract to sell it for $125 million, or at least they have to vote actually uh, this week, the day this comes out, they're going to vote to basically accept this. I think it's going to get accepted. So I just want to be clear that as of the time we're recording this, it has not been. But basically the people who are going to buy it are the same people that are behind Harmon Corner and that new mall next to Crystals on Harmon. Uh, so basically the people who put all the screens and made the Times Square of Las Vegas on Harmon and Las Vegas Boulevard, they are looking to buy it. So I would expect More CBS. <laughs> a CBS, <laughs> definitely a mall going there, right? Uh, some sort of mall. Yeah, which is sad to see. You know, I was hoping for another casino property like they were talking. And I'm kind of wondering, like, does this end up falling through too? And this is like a the city of Las Vegas is a pawn shop where they just make money off of people putting a deposit to save it. And they make like seven, $8 million every year. And then people back out. That'd be kind of funny. Yeah. I mean, I, I see this as actually not a bad thing because hear me out. You have fountain blue opening up and you have resorts world across the street. And this could really be a connector between those two things in a similar way to the way Harmon corner connects basically Cosmo and planet Hollywood. And it kind of would work, similarly to that. So I could see it working well. And I think it's good that they're selling it to investors that have developed in Las Vegas on the Las Vegas Strip that have skin in the game. It means that there's probably more chance that it's going to go through. And the fact that it's not a casino project is probably not terrible either because we have so many other casino projects. And that's a pretty small piece of land, 10 acres. So any project was going to be fairly small anyway. Plus you have all the convention center crowd. I think it's good. I mean, uh, Pepper Mill might have some 
neighbors, though, which could give it some competition up there. You just want another Taco Bell Cantina with a wedding chapel, <laughs> don't you? Absolutely. And then we need to get another friend <laughs> to get married there so uh, we could do that. There is nothing like hanging out at the Taco Bell Cantina at 1 a.m., on the strip and just people watching. Oh it's, man. It's great stuff. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And it, it gets packed and it's just, yeah, it's, it's great. P- people watching. The other place I love to people watch is as people come down Dre's at like two, three in the morning from the, the rooftop bar, you just sit there and you're like playing a slot machine or whatever. And it's just the parade of people that look all exhausted and, and sweaty and all dressed to the nines, but look disheveled by this point. It's like a pre walk of shame, walk of shame, I guess. <laughs> And the women, of course, with their heels in their hands because they finally give up and they can't walk in them yeah. anymore. That's one torturous thing I'll never understand. God bless them for wearing those things. But I would be wearing flats. There's Dress up nicely, but find some nice, pretty flats because Vegas and high you know, heels, no good. We should make a shoe that the, the heel just, like, shrinks into a flat. Halfway through the night, you click a button. Boom. Done. Billion-dollar idea right there. And with that, we probably already have it. <laughs> yeah. That's our public service for the day. So somebody go out there and, uh, and make that <laughs> for you. That's why you guys watch this show. So, Mark, we all know one of the best ways to get ahead in Vegas is with status. Caesars used to hand it out via match all the time, but now apparently they're looking to charge for it. Yeah, they'll take your money and then they'll cut the benefits in half within a couple of weeks. That's what <laughs> they love to do. I'd, man, anytime they somebody sells status, it is instantly worth less than it was before. And we've talked about how Caesar status used to be my favorite in Vegas, you know, five, six years ago. Now it's probably the worst. So I don't know who's buying it. Yeah, now this is just a survey, so we don't know that they're going to charge, but they're always looking for ways to make more money. And I agree This is sort of the maturation, though. Instead of giving things for free, even for loyal customers, just charge more for the things that people want the most. Uh, It's not only Caesars doing this, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see some upgraded packages with some of the perks that elites used to get. Caesar, race to the bottom. Winner. (laughs) Vegas Loop is a couple years old now. It opened at the Las Vegas Convention Center a couple years ago and then expanded to Resorts World. But we really don't have as much of the system as we had hoped, and it hasn't been moving along as fast maybe as some had wanted. But this week, they welcomed their one millionth passenger. So the LVCBA, uh, they celebrated it. The guy got out of the car. They had this big sign. They filmed it. A million people is an accomplishment, but we still have a long way to go. A million people went in a small circle around the convention <laughs> center in 422 Texas. 422,000 Teslas. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's an accomplishment. I, it just, I don't know how to, to put it into perspective. It, it doesn't seem all that uh, surprising to get to, but it took a lot of cars, a lot of people driving. I saw on Twitter, people made it yeah, in the least uh, efficient way possible. They did it. <laughs> so there was quite a bit of a hate on Twitter, which I thought was funny. Yeah, as you put it, uh, it took a lot of cars and a lot of drivers. That's one way to uh, to accurately uh, describe it. Uh, I guess some other good news in the expansion. We talked a few weeks ago about them wanting to buy land from UNLV on the Thomas and Mack parking lot. Well, UNLV has now approved that. So the price still hasn't been set, but they've approved that they're going to sell the land to Boring. And now they're going to come together on a fair market value for it. So that should uh, help Vegas Loop march forward. Not much else to say. Eventually, they want 69 stations, but they have to get to work on some of these tunnels before we even start to see a wider vision uh, come to scale. I'm starting to think it's going to take a lot longer than they had originally thought. Here we are a few years later, 
and really not much other than a quick little extension tunnel to Resorts World. In like 30 years, it'll just be like a tour package where you can walk through the tunnels of what used to be. <laughs> hey, they're going to come in handy during the zombie apocalypse. There you go. We'll see. I do like the system. I just question how fast it's gotten built out. But I guess this UNLV news is big and good to see a million passengers passing through there. Now, speaking of passengers, one of the busiest airports in the country is Harry Reid International Airport. And, you know, a lot of people leave their cars there. And you would think if you left your car in the garage, that it'd be fairly safe. Uh, obviously, there's cameras going in and out, people watching stuff, there's security patrols, but apparently not. There was a story, Mark, where this body was left in a car for 23 days. Unfortunately, a woman drove into the garage. She decided to kill herself, uh, which is very sad, but it was in short-term parking. So this is the maximum three-hour parking, not even long-term parking. And it took 23 days for them to discover her body. Two dozen other vehicles have been stolen from those garages in the last two years. So it seems like there might be a security problem. And it left people wondering why this car was left to sit there for so long when the maximum parking was three hours. Yeah, and usually the short-term parking is like right at the front of the garage by the doors, and it's for people that need to run in and pick somebody up or or buy a ticket at the airport. So there had to be a ton of people walking by this car for, you know, the 20-plus days. It just seems strange, one, that somebody would choose that to, to commit suicide. is just kind of a weird setup. But the fact that nobody notices it is another strange thing. And then, you know, the fees that they charge at these parking structures next to the airport – are astronomically high, $20, $30, some places $40. And you would think that that would come with the best security possible, you know, with those fees. They're making money hand over fist, and they're talking about cutbacks and having everything automated so there's not people at the booths and everything. But still, you should have cameras everywhere at least so you can figure out who's been doing this. Yeah, that was a surprise that they have a lot of areas that don't have cameras, and they've cut back on security patrols, so less live humans going around. But there was somebody supposed to check these cars to make sure, especially in the short-term parking, to make sure they weren't there. And apparently that person didn't do it or they, they lied about it. Who knows what happened? But yeah, 23 days, this was just one row from the entrance of you know the passenger pickup. Be cautious if you're leaving your car at the airport for any length of time, because it seems like they're having issues there. Who would have thought the little bus parking lots off-site would be a safer bet? You know, At least usually... There's a person always sitting there that you need to check in, check out with and everything. So even though it's a little bit more time consuming, a kind of a pain, maybe that's the way to go. It's usually cheaper too. So that's good. Yeah, for sure. All right. So a quick Formula One update. We talked on the last show, so I don't want to spend too much time, but they released the scheduling for repaving. And we've talked about how they're going to have to repave the entire course. And now we learn they're going to do it in six different sections and they have to repave them twice each. So they've broken it all up into Sands Avenue, the Las Vegas Strip, Harmon Avenue, Koval Lane, the Paddock area, and then MSG Sphere Corners. And uh, they're going to do an initial paving between April and August in those six sections. And then they have to go back and put like a two-inch top coat, which will be the track surface. And that's going to run all the way through September. So even after they do the repaving, those streets will be used for a couple months, which I find interesting. I guess it'll hold up just fine. They're also removing... Uh, the medians in on Harmon and a few other places along the course. So the the medians in the middle of the street gone. It's not clear whether those are going to come back after the race or 
just be gone permanently. Yeah, I thought it was strange that they're doing this so far in advance. And even the second coat is going to be, you know, in advance of the race quite a bit. That You would think that would be an issue. Maybe they can come back and clean everything because oil spills, all that type of stuff you would think would be a problem. And it's going to be fun driving around Vegas and little sections you get like brand new road and then it goes back to the old crappy road. Uh, so that's kind of funny. But yeah, removing medians, I couldn't see them bringing back, you know, just added costs, especially if they want to do this long term. But that's just another change. It just... It always surprises me how much effort, time, money goes into this event, you know, just for a weekend. It's it's kind of mind-boggling, really. Now, the way they're going to do it is one lane at a time. So each section will have one lane closed off, done, and then they'll move on to the other lane. So there will be, you know, traffic issues, but at least they've broken this up into different parts. And then within those parts, one lane at a time. So they're not closing any streets and hopefully the traffic nightmares won't be too numerous. But, I mean, this is going to be going on for months altogether uh, when you add it all up. So it should be some ugliness for people. What about the random road art that they put on the medians? Are we going to miss that? Yeah, we need – maybe we'll get some new <laughs> some new art to, to replace it, some some wacky desert tortoise, tortoise or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but Formula One uh, moving along. Maybe we won't talk for a few more shows about them. I know people are getting overloaded, but I'm glad we finally have that Please. schedule. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Red Rock and this new uh, lounge slash restaurant bar that they have called Rouge Room. And it's a Parisian style indoor and outdoor lounge that looks like it should be right on the strip. Looks like you might see it in a place like Wynn. I don't know. I'm uh, really impressed with how Red Rock is renovated, but also some of the new concepts that they're bringing in. Yeah, it looks amazing. Something that I would definitely, you know, drive out of my way to go to go check out as long as service drinks, all that stuff is good. The, the build out and the vision look amazing. And it looks kind of like, you know, we've talked about Shag Room at Virgin and how much we like that. This is like that on steroids, like way better done, you know, fine, uh, high end touches uh, versus what you get there is just kind of like the poor man's version of it. But it was still fun there. And I can only imagine this is going to be, you know, 10 times better. Yeah, it looks incredible. We also learned from Station Casinos some more about Durango. We knew that they were outsourcing some of their venues, their food and beverage venues. And we learned that Click is going to be taking over three venues. Specifically, they're doing a Mexican restaurant called Mijo Modern Mexican Restaurant. And then Bel Air Lounge and Bel Air Backyard. The backyard looks like it's more of like a pool club, day club kind of thing. Private cabanas. Uh, the concept art, I guess they didn't have any, so they just put this beautiful drawing. <laughs> hey, don't don't knock my child's drawing, okay? Please. <laughs> and then the Bel Air Lounge. We only had grants to work with. <laughs> And then the Bel Air Lounge is going to be the centerpiece of the casino, and they say it's going to seamlessly blend sophistication with high energy and bring together the old school glamour with contemporary flair. Kind of reminds me of that other venue at Red Rock we just talked about. Kind of high end, modern, some throwback stuff. This is what's in right now, and it looks like Durango is really aiming to be on that high end of everything. Yeah, it sounds good. I, you know, we talked before the show the the picture that they have on the website we're not sure what that is if that is the, the concept or what it's going to look like that kind of looked you know a little bit boring and, and bland to me so hopefully that isn't what they're discussing here and the pool kind of just feels like any florida pool palm trees you know a regular rectangular pool but uh hopefully it's nice and, and fun out there you know 
if it's anywhere near what it looks like for Red Rock, it'll be great. So hopefully that's what they're they're shooting for. Yeah, the concept is strange, right? Because the Bel Air Lounge is described as the centerpiece of the casino. That concept art doesn't really show that. So uh, we'll see what it looks like. It's good to see that other rendering that we got of the outside with the pool. It's a new rendering of the building that we hadn't seen before. So not a lot new here, but the Bel Air Lounge sounds really cool, and as does the backyard. And uh, like I said, another kind of reinforcement that this is going to be more like Red Rock compared to some of their other local stuff. This is going to be more high-end, more of a resort designed to attract people from out of town. So looking forward to hearing more about that as it goes on. And speaking of hearing about people, Mark, every year this visitor profile comes out for Las Vegas visitors. And what they do in the past, they had done phone interviews. And this year they decided to also mix in online interviews. And over the course of a year, they interviewed over 6,000 people who visited Las Vegas. And they basically are trying to determine, you know, why they come, how much they spend, just about everything. And they get some really interesting statistics that not only tells us what the state of Las Vegas is now, but also how it's changed from last year. And also in this time, pre-COVID, because that's an interesting thing. And so there's a ton of stuff to dive into. We can't cover it all. But I want to start with this. More than three quarters, 77% of visitors to Las Vegas said they were very satisfied with their visit. We know a lot of people who watch this channel aren't as satisfied as they used to be. They don't see Vegas as a good of value, a good, as good of an experience, but 77% leaving very satisfied, another 20% leaving somewhat satisfied. So people are still definitely having fun here. Yeah, I was surprised that the numbers were so high just because, you know, in our little niche community we we hear more of the negative slant towards it and maybe that's you know you're seeing a lot of people going to vegas for the first time especially after covid you know this was kind of the go-to destination for a while so maybe that's playing into it they don't have anything to compare it to but even so like you know at least half the people have been to vegas before i would imagine probably even more than that so i was surprised you know but maybe people just aren't as negative in, in uh, uh questionnaires as they are in uh youtube comments i don't know uh i would say myself <laughs> it's it's somewhat satisfied when you know when i've gone it's not quite as good as it was but that's you know just me throwing back to the heyday of vegas i think and some more numbers that support that 53 percent said that las vegas met their expectations another 41 percent said it exceeded their expectations so that's 94 percent right there so clearly people either know what they're getting into uh, but most people aren't coming here being shocked by the prices shocked by the experience and it's not negatively affecting them or at least based on these numbers it's not some other interesting things people are bringing kids more than ever we saw that for sure last year as well uh, as people kind of got out traveling post pandemic stay off fremont <laughs> <laughs> yeah stay off fremont but yeah the, obviously that's happening the average age of visitors last year 40.7 years that's down from 43.2 in 2021 it was 46 i think in 2019 before the pandemic so that shows you that younger and younger people are coming here too which is something we're seeing by you know hipper venues things like that that uh you know 25 to 40 year old crowd definitely making their mark here whereas in the past maybe not as much yeah and i think that's why we've seen the skew towards experience type of things like area uh, 15 and all that stuff like everything that opens has kind of like something going on with it like speakeasies and stuff and even the parisian uh room that's coming like it's all themed and in kind of like an all-inclusive experience that they want you to you know the sphere coming in where you're going to be surrounded by tv screens everywhere like everything's about the experience and i think that's aimed at the 
the younger crowd. You know, what I was surprised from the numbers is that people are gambling less uh, time-wise, but they're bringing more money to gamble. So, you know, we've, we've all seen the table uh, <laughs> minimums double, so maybe that's what's playing into it. Yeah, in 2019, I think they gambled on average 3.6 hours. Last year, 3.0. This year, 2.6 hours. But in 2019, the average person, they brought $591 to gamble. And last year, $761 to gamble. So, yeah, clearly they're bringing more, but they're spending time on other stuff. And that makes more sense. If you have a younger demographic, younger people tend to gamble less. That's always been sort of the anecdotal thing we hear, uh, whereas the older people are more you know, into that. People are also spending more money on entertainment. The amount of money people are spending on concert tickets and even sporting events is significantly higher than it has been. And we've seen that with t ticket prices and other things. So not a ton that's surprised there, but people are happy. They're paying more. They're leaving satisfied. And that says something for this new Las Vegas, even though a lot of us might not like it or we don't like some of the changes. It's working for who they're attracting and they're attracting a lot of people. So who's to say they're wrong? Yeah, I think I saw a uh, Mark. Mark Meltzer on Twitter say that this was the first year that more people flew into Vegas than drove for ever a long time. I don't know, something like that. But I thought that was kind of interesting, too. Yeah, the numbers on this uh, survey only go back five years. So I don't have the numbers from before that. But on all the five years, it had never happened. It was It's very close to 50-50 every year, but always uh, driving has outdone the flying. But this year it was flying. So, uh, yeah, more and more people coming. And that's even with international travel, not quite where it was, even though it did make a pretty good rebound in 2022. So that'll continue to happen. So a lot of interesting stuff, but yeah, I mean, as we said, we see these numbers every month with the average rate, everything else, people are spending more, but they're enjoying it. And Las Vegas is investing in those ways. They're, like you said, investing in the experiences, the food halls, the speakeasies in a 2022 version or 2023 version of Las Vegas. That's different than it was but also is unique. And we see things like Area 15 expanding, Universal Parks and Resorts, the Sphere, all of these sort of over the top, you know, top level world-class experiences are coming. And I think that is the future of Las Vegas. It's just not going to be cheap. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, back in the day, it was always the shows were kind of the the entertainment to draw in. They've moved away from shows. We see less and less, especially small venue shows and moving more into these experience type of things. You know, back when I first started going to Vegas, I think the only experience type of thing was the bodies exhibit, which seemed to be in Vegas for like 20 years. Yeah, we've come a long way from the bodies uh, exhibition <laughs> and the Titanic exhibit and all of that stuff uh, that we had there. And yeah, it's going to get more expensive, more complicated, but it's gotten better in some ways. And I'd love to know what everybody out there thinks. We know a lot of you guys do not like this new corporate Las Vegas. And somebody corrected me and said, yeah, corporate Vegas began in the late 80s. Yes, it did. But it's been an evolution, right? And now we're on maybe the third version of corporate Las Vegas uh, in this modern era. And it's different than it was even 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MTM Vegas podcast. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash miles to memories and mtmvegas.com for all of our Vegas content. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you next time.